welcome to the Harvest Australia podcast. We trust you'll be blessed by this message from Senior Pastor Marty Manuel. Well, hopefully you're staying warm. It's nice to have some sun in the last few days, isn't it? And uh, I think tomorrow's going to be the same, so get a tan while you can. <laughs> Um, we had a great night on, on Wednesday night, and um, who of you guys were here, particularly guys were here? Great to see a guys turn out on, um, on Wednesday night, and um, I've heard some really good, good feedback from Wednesday night, and, and so I just want to really encourage, keep, keep building, keep digging, keep, keep going. And um, so today, I want to I wanna talk about um, defining moments. And I've picked three great um, biblical figures, but uh, to base what I want to say around. Uh, before we do, I just want to pray and um, just gather my thoughts. <laughs> Lord, we thank you this morning that you're here. Thank you for worship. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your love. Lord, we ask that this morning you would release to us every good thing you have for us. Lord, we pray that you would release faith into our hearts. If we're needing faith to believe for breakthrough, Lord, we pray for a release of that today. Lord, we ask for vision to be released, for purpose, for your creativity, for ideas. And Lord, we pray for your goodness to be released in and through us this morning in Jesus' name. Um, Everyone knows these three figures really, really well. Moses, Nehemiah, and Peter. I'm not even going to read those passages because... It's going to be so familiar to most of you that I think that it's just going to go through the motion. So what I want to do is just pull out how these three characters in the Bible um, had defining moments and how that really can challenge us and, uh, us and spur us on to, to greater things. Most of us throughout our life have moments that we can remember. Maybe um, it's a bad thing or maybe it's a good thing. It doesn't really matter either way. But there'll be moments where we can remember our thoughts were crystallized and all of a sudden things became really clear about what we are to do. And we have a challenge, almost a fork in the road, whether we go this way or whether we go that way. And um, I can think of a few moments like that throughout my life where everything else so the smoke disappears because the decision or the, the, um, the pivotal situation that we're in right now is right before us and we've got to do something about it. Um, Moses had this kind of situation and there's a, there's a theme to these three characters that I want to bring out today and we'll, we'll see if you can just get it um, along the way. But Moses was such an interesting character because it was after the murder of um, one, of the Egyptian, one of the Israelites in Egypt that actually was a defining moment for him that turned him from a prince, turned him from li- a life of luxury and just going about his business. He, he saw that murder of one of his bloodline, one of his fellow brothers, if you like, and that was a defining moment for him that spurred him completely in the other direction toward God's vision and destiny for his life. And so it was... It was turmoil, and it was actually sin, and it was a shock factor that created the moment that released the destiny. Nehemiah, we see that um, Jerusalem had been um, uh, made desolate, 
and had been burned and it had been completely um, abandoned, if you like. And so here we have Nehemiah who's still hearing from the Lord and he goes to the king in Persia and he actually um, says to him that my fellow people back in Jerusalem, I want to go and rebuild this thing. And so again, we see it's through the desolation that God brings about the rebuilding. And I'm sure for most of us, there's been a season of desolation in our lives. Or maybe there's been a season where we feel like something's been robbed of us or even killed from us, murdered from us. Often these times in our lives are the pivotal times where things crystallize, things become clear, and all of a sudden our destiny becomes, it awaits us, so to speak. It's right before us. And we have a choice. Are we going to walk in that direction or are we going to let it go? And here we see Nehemiah, who was a man after God's own heart, if you like. He heard from the Lord and he was hearing the yearning. There was a desolation of Jerusalem and he knew, I need to be the one who's going to go back and rebuild. I love the story of Nehemiah because I believe he gives us a key component to strategy of how to build rightly in the kingdom of God. As I've said over the last few weeks, we, we need those encounters. We need those t- intimate times with the Lord where he reveals himself to us and maybe his presence or maybe his voice. But then there is a time once we've heard that and once we've engaged with that, and it may be after a season of desolation or a season of robbing or a season of something being taken away from us, that we then have a choice, will we respond? Will we respond to the voice of the Lord? Nehemiah responded. He felt the Lord's heart for the homeland, so to speak. And he was willing to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go outside of normal boundaries here. I'm going to go and ask the king if he's going to release me. And he did it respectfully and with honor because he knew this was a big thing to be released for a, for a long period of time to be able to go and rebuild. But he was honored in that and he was released in that. And so we can see here that there is a point that we have to choose sometimes to be obedient after the desolation, to be obedient after something's been killed, robbed, still stolen, destroyed from our lives. And then we have a choice. Are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? We see in in the life of Peter, but before we go on to the life of Peter, I actually want to just finish something I was saying because I I think this is key. Um, And I keep going back to this with Nehemiah. I spoke on it a year or so ago and probably heard other people speaking on it, but Nehemiah, when he goes back to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem, firstly, after the desolation, the first thing that he puts in place is the walls. He puts in a defense mechanism. He puts in the solid boundary lines of the city. And we can learn something from this. If we've had a season of desolation or a season where something's been robbed from us or taken from us or maybe a complete transition in life, we can take Nehemiah's example and say, okay, I've had a season of desolation. I'm now in a vulnerable place. I need to rebuild my walls. I need to rebuild. I need to put some strategies in place so that my defense mechanisms are not as vulnerable to the enemy anymore. And so we can think about that. We can pray about that. What does that look like? It'll look different for each one of us. But for me, community is a big part of that. Community is a big part of that. When we do what we're doing this morning and worship, and Christy, you just led fantastically this morning. Great worship. Um, and, the, and the band were great. Um, but 
when we actually recognize that we can't do it alone. Um, Eric Johnson had a great, um, he's from Bethel Church, he had a great um, saying on Facebook this week, I read it, he said, um, a, a person who lives completely outside of community will always think they are evidencing the fruits of the Spirit. And, and what he's saying in that, that can almost seem like a criticism, but it's actually a reality. People who want to live outside of right alignment and right community with brothers and sisters in Christ will always place themselves to a posture above everyone else because they think they may have the revelation or something else. And this is not right. This is not how we're meant to live. We're meant to live in relationship with one another and be able to work through that together. It has challenges, it has trials. But when we learn to do it rightly, we can actually work through these things together. And so Nehemiah, first thing, he, he builds the walls. But I love how he builds the walls. And I think this is really, really key for us. This is key for us in, in uh, supernatural churches, in conservative churches. It doesn't matter where you are in Christianity. The, these two things are key. He, he hears from the Lord and he gets a strategy of how to build rightly. Firstly, he tells all of the um, men to actually build, uh, actually all the people of the city to build the walls with bricks and to keep their swords nearby just in case they need to attack. So they've got this twofold anointing flowing, if you like, in what they're doing. They're rebuilding the walls and they get ready to defend the enemy. And I think this is key for us. Maybe if we've been through desolation or if we've been through a season where we can actually say, wow, I could go that way or I could go that way, but I'm going to choose to stick this thing out and I'm going to choose to maybe do this thing right for once in my life, get it right, and to be able to pursue the kingdom of God, we might have to actually get really, really practical. You might have to have a sword in one hand and a brick in the other. Or make it really practical. You might have to have a pen in one hand and, I don't know, study or learn or something like that. And you might have to have relationships in it or whatever those things are for you. But there's, for most of us, it's not just about pursuit in the spirit. Pursuit in the spirit will get us so far. But then there's, there's the body and the soul that we need to create a whole person so that we're actually building and defending and growing and hearing from the Lord on all facets of our person. And then we can actually rightly be balanced, but also pursuing. And, um, and so I feel like this is something for us to even take the next journey together or the next step as an apostolic family is one that says, what is my part in rebuilding? What is my part? Is, is it bricks or swords or, you know, strategy or what, what does it look like? And for any church family to build rightly, it needs everyone. It needs everyone. And it doesn't matter where you fit in the piece of the puzzle the church family needs you. The church family needs you. And I haven't got a list of things where we're needing help us right now. But if this stirs on you, then come and talk to us. Come and talk to us. Because there's something powerful when we all jump on board and we say, hey, let's build the kingdom together. Let's build the walls together. Let's build this thing together. And we defend the enemy together. And there's nothing like seeing a group of, of people band together and rise up in the calling and the destiny that God's got before us. The Apostle Peter, he, he is a classic one because I think we can all identify with his weakness. Peter denied Christ. 
He denied the Savior. He denied, I mean, the, the very one that we worship and believe in now and he lived with in close proximity. He denied him three times. And yet out of that desolation, out of that denial, if you like, he then becomes the rock of the church. He then becomes, now Jesus is the rock, I know that. But, you know, hear me out. If you know what I'm talking about, you'll know that actually the name Peter means rock. And he was the great apostle Peter. And he helped establish the whole New Testament church. And so out of denial... What started in a lie, he then becomes the messenger of truth. And so God uses his complete weakness, turns it around in a complete 180, which the word repentance means turn around 180 degrees. And so he uses our weakness into our strength. We can see the same for Moses, Nehemiah, Peter. You could go through scripture and you can almost see in every area Esther, um, uh, you know, Abraham, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on of the amount of figures that we now look to and stir ourselves up in encouragement. It's their weakness that God uses. It's their limp, if you like, that God releases the strength from. Our moment of weakness is the defining moment of our life that releases destiny. The moment that we think everything's been robbed from us is actually a moment that God's turning everything around and he's ready to release inheritance. And so if we don't stay in that moment of desolation, if we don't remain in that, maybe the doubt, the fear or the crushing feeling. I mean, I think David actually went through a real physical breakdown. If you read the Psalms after he sinned and confessed, you can see him, he's, he's writhing, he's in pain day and night, his bones ache. And this is a man who's had an absolute breakdown, physically and emotionally in every, in every way. And yet we see God release a lineage and an inheritance through him. And so we can take great encouragement from all of this, can't we? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. His power is perfected in your weakness. Whatever you're feeling weak in today, and I'm not talking about weak in, in a sin area, but I'm talking about weakness maybe you're not able to do that. Maybe you're not, uh, you know, you haven't got the resources to be able to do that. Or maybe there's been a desolation or maybe there's been a, a robbing or, or even a sin in your life. The Lord wants to turn those things around and make that weakness into your strength. Make that weakness, that doubt, that fear, that insecurity, those inhibitions. He wants to make them a posture of power, a releasing point of power. There's some of you here today who constantly doubt yourself, constantly doubt yourself. I want to say to you today, stop it. <laughs> and we could go back and show that clip from a few years ago. Some of you know the clip I'm talking about. Um, anyway, we won't even go there, but you know, it's a funny, funny clip. I think you could probably do YouTube, stop it, and you'd get the, the, the comedy skit that we've shown a few times here. Um, now, it's easier said than done. But like Nehemiah, when there's been desolation, what are you going to do about it? Start rebuilding. Start rebuilding. You might need a sword in one hand and bricks in the other. You might need to defend off those fiery darts that the enemy's throwing at you, doubting, questioning, double-minded, 
not knowing, oh, what's everyone else thinking of me? You know, when no one else is even thinking of you. You know, this is what the enemy tries to do. He tries to do this sort of stuff. He tries to make your situation seem worse than anyone else's. When every single person in this room faces trials and challenges. And so it's how we react out of the desolation. How we react after maybe the murder situation or something, the robbery or something that's gone wrong in your situation. Or maybe even after denial. Maybe we've just been in denial, like Peter's just been in complete denial. He doesn't know Christ, and he just wants to pull away completely because it's too confronting to be seen to be one of the followers of Jesus Christ. And maybe some here this morning have been like that. Just too, it's too hard, too scary, too exposing to be known as one who walks with Jesus. And if we're one like that, out of that weakness can come a defining moment where you say, enough is enough. I'm going back to the desolation and rebuilding. I'm going, I'm going to start leading where God's called me to lead. Maybe in your families. We talked about that on Wednesday night, about leading in families and uh, mothers and fathers doing that rightly in strength and in clarity. And, um, I mean, Moses didn't even feel um, capable of speaking publicly. There's some of you who I know that if I got you up here this morning, I will not do it, don't worry. If I got you, it would be the worst thing you could possibly imagine would be to speak in front of anyone. And I'm not saying all of a sudden that's going to be your releasing point. So, however, however, God might give you an Aaron. God might give you a strategy that still releases your destiny, but he may give you a covenant Aaron, a covenant person whom you stand with who helps release your anointing. That's why we can't do it alone. We need community. We need relationship because often strong relationships double the anointing or double the releasing or strengthen our releasing because we might not be capable of it on our own. We might need someone else to stand with and say, hey, I need you to do this with me. And it's interesting to to see that Moses questions this so many times, but God reasserts it to him. And I think 2 Corinthians 12 is one that if you feel like that, remember this verse, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I'll rather boast about my weaknesses, Paul says, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. His, he knows the key. In his weakness, the power of Jesus Christ is released. Because if we feel very strong, and there's nothing wrong with feeling strong and and healthy and all that sort of stuff, we want to do that all the time. But if it turns into pride, where we all of a sudden feel like we can do it, and we can make things happen, then the power of Christ is diminished in us, because it's looking for that person. He's looking for that person who's yielded and who's willing Hungry, open, humble, all of those character traits. And that's what Paul's saying. I'm not going to boast in my flesh anymore. I'm going to boast in my weakness because out of my weakness, the power of Christ is released. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of opposite to the modern day Western thought. Modern day Western thought is do it and make it happen. And and I'm all for some of that stuff if it helps us in kingdom living. But if it's just in bettering ourselves for the sake of bettering ourselves and, and just trying to you know, maybe make more money or whatever it is, then it can be a boasting in the flesh. It can just be a boasting in what we do, not in who we are in Him. 
But when we know who we are in him, then our weakness becomes our strength. He loves it. I mean, he's drawn to it, isn't he? We can see it throughout Scripture so many times. He loves our weakness. He loves our weakness. It's not something we would chant at a motivational seminar. James Arthur Ray says, In your life's defining moments, there are two choices. You either step forward in faith and power, or you step backward into fear. At those moments, it's actually sometimes much easier to step back. To step back. You see it with people maybe who backslide in their faith. They backslide because they got to a certain point where maybe it was just too hard to face sin or too hard to live a life of purity or too hard to be in intimate relationship with Jesus because so many things were coming up that it's just easy to go back. That way of life, there's no confrontation back there. I can hide back there. But we're not hiding at all. We're not hiding at all. We're getting closer to the fire, actually. Closer and closer, the further we go back, the closer we are to the fire. And so when we actually recognize some of those moments and we recognize our weakness, our desolation, our sin, or whatever the situation might be, then we can take stock and we can say, how am I going to respond? How am I going to respond? Am I going to be like Nehemiah and respectfully go to the king and say, I've got some kingdom business that needs to be fulfilled in my life. It might be in family. I've got some things I need to get right in my family. I've got some things I need to get right in my workplace. I've got some things I need to get right in my own heart. I've got some things I need to align in my situation. But it takes boldness and it takes courage. Kevin Costner says this, When a defining moment comes along, you define the moment or the moment defines you. And this is all about our ability and our free will to decide It's God's sovereignty. He's given us a free will to decide, what am I going to do with what he's given me? What am I going to do with this situation? What am I going to do? Am I going to allow it to define me and keep me chained or keep me boxed up or keep me in fear? Or am I going to define it and maybe become that person that God wants to release in my life? Ephesians 3.16 says this, I pray that out of the riches of his glory, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I think this is a real key. And this is like a theme for me for the last year. And I preached on, a, on dominion within or self-control. I pray that out of the riches of his glory, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Destiny is released in our inner being. We have a choice at a moment of destiny or at one of those defining moments of life. How are we going to tackle it? How are we going to tackle it? I can remember that um, when we had our business, our manufacturing business, and I remember a particular moment that was a defining moment when I realized that um, a certain client wasn't going to pay us a whole heap of money, millions of dollars. And I remember that moment where you sort of freeze and you sort of think, is this really happening? The, the world's still ticking on and everyone's still driving their cars and everyone's going on. But for you, the world stopped. 
I don't know if you ever had that experience, but it's kind of a moment where you, you really just take stock of, ooh, okay, this is serious. And at that moment, God's put in us an instinct. He's put in, you probably had that instinct when someone cuts you off in your car. I mean, I don't mean that instinct. I mean the instinct when you, you, you're almost shocked into realizing, I've got to do something here. I've got to do something to salvage whatever's going on. And I remember that moment when I had that um, in my office and, I, and just automatically, or not automatically, but I just went into um, a, a, a process of strategically thinking through, okay, how am I going to rebuild this? How am I going to protect this? How am I going to keep this in place? Because it gets kind of disastrous when things are out of control. But when things are out of control around you, that's when the inner life counts. That's when the inner life counts. And we've got to remember that in Ephesians it says, I pray that out of the riches of his glory, he may strengthen you. Out of the riches of his glory, he may strengthen you. He has riches. He has provision. He has energy, life, strength, everything you need to get out of any situation you're facing now or going to face next week. His riches are available. It all depends on the inner life. The inner life unlocks destiny. The inner life unlocks what we see in Moses and Nehemiah and Peter, even though in one sense Moses failed, Peter failed, and for Nehemiah it was complete desolation of his people. In this weak posture, the inner life rose to the surface. God turned it round. Moses was now speaking to a million people, not just one, a million people who were following him into the promised land. Peter becomes the voice of truth for the New Testament church. The one who denied the truth becomes the messenger of truth. And so whatever situation we're facing, whatever desolation we've been through, he is enough. How is your inner life? How is your inner life? How is your posture with Jesus? If you're face-to-face with him tomorrow morning, having some time with him, how does that feel? Is that a familiar posture for you or is that something very irregular if it's irregular i want to ask you this morning that your inner life is what releases destiny without the inner life we will remain shallow our roots will remain very shallow now i want to just give you an example of the power of deep roots about 15 meters from here we have a tree growing and it's a very big tree and i remember planting it with my mum would you believe i don't know how many years ago, let's say 25 years ago. And it just so happened that about two weeks ago, its roots grew so deep, it grew into the water pipe. And so right now we have leaking water and, um, you know, some of the houses down the road are probably going to feel this in a few days' time. But anyway, their, their veggies are going to grow so well. <laughs> anyway, so over 25 years, this, this tree's been there. But the roots got deeper and deeper and bigger and bigger until all of a sudden the other week it's cracked our pipe and we're having a plumber out tomorrow and, you know, it's fine. It's not a big deal. But the power of deep roots is absolutely immeasurable. But it's all about the inner life. We can't see the roots. You wouldn't even know about it. But when those roots go really deep, it doesn't matter what's in the way, they can get through anything. They can get through anything. The inner life is everything. 
The inner life is everything. It unlocks destiny. It unlocks fruitfulness. It unlocks everything that's out there. And it's, it's about dwelling with him. It's about having dominion within. It's about having self-control. It's about taking stock and saying, I am responsible for my being, no one else. I can't actually blame everyone for everything that's going on in my life. I've got to take responsibility. I've got to stand up and I've got to say, I am going to have dominion within my life. If I can't even have dominion anywhere else, I'm going to have it in. I'm going to have it in here. And when we have it in here, believe me, over time, over time, it comes out. Like I said, at that defining moment for me, standing there almost a bit frozen and shell-shocked, if you like, realizing that, okay, everything that I thought was going to happen in business, maybe it's not going to happen now. I mean, even all those prophetic words and stuff, I'm like, where are they now? And, and you might have done that yourself. Where are the prophecies now? I'm telling you, when you have to ask yourself that question, dig deep. Because you live by the Spirit, not by prophecies. And that's when we learn the inner life is more powerful than anything else. It releases fruitfulness. The roots suck in the nutrients and the water to release fruit. And when we live in that posture, we can release the kingdom of God. We don't even have to be a preacher. We don't have to do anything else because the fruit will speak. The fruit will be released. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. I know that you love being around fruitful people. I love being around fruitful people because you love picking their fruit and eating it and seeing what nutrients you can get from them. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's iron sharpening iron. It's biblical. And that's the community of believers, the body of the family of God, learning and gleaning and lifting one another up. And the Bible says that we're meant to speak to each other, encouraging, and we even sing to each other with spiritual hymns and songs. I mean, uh, I've heard Russell do that. He does that regularly. And, um, but... You know, what it, the spirit of it is that we can actually give out what we've got, but if we haven't got it, we can't give it out. The inner life is key. The inner life is key. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It's dominion within or it's shallow roots. Let's stand this morning. Thank you. I want you to close your eyes. If you're here today and... You know that you've never sunk your roots as deep as the Lord called you to, has called you to, wants you to. doesn't matter how old or young. I mean, it really doesn't matter because this is all about the inner life. If you know that this week you have no plans to spend time with Jesus, then you have some adjusting to do. So, Lord, we ask this morning that you would... Help us to live by the Spirit. Help us to live from your well. Help us to live with deep roots in your kingdom, not in our kingdom, in your kingdom. And let your roots intrude our kingdom. If there's anyone here this morning and you know that that's you, you just need to, you just need to, there's been desolation. Maybe there's been complete silence uh, in the kingdom, in your pursuit of him or in your path with him. And the roots just have not gone very deep then this morning's a great morning to get right with him, make it right, and do something about it. So, Lord, for those of us who are in that situation, and, and Lord, we don't want that continual cycle. We don't want lack. We want abundance. We don't want dry fruit. We want abundant fruit. Lord, we want our time with you to, to be a time where we hear from you, where the inner life gets strong, where the riches of your glory 
would be released in our weakness, release strength, and would release incredible power in our inner life. The Lord, we pray for that this morning. We lay down things that have got in the way, lethargy and tiredness and weariness and sleepiness and warm beds and everything else that is just beautiful. But Lord, we ask this morning that you would enable us to be a people of great inner life with you, Jesus, of deep inner life with you, Jesus. Enable us, help us in our weakness, help us in our weakness, Lord Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would release reminders. You would release a conscience. You would release a quickening, Lord, a drawing into you. Even a joy where there's been no joy. We ask for joy in your presence, joy in your voice, joy in your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining us on the Harvest Australia podcast. For more information and events in the life of Harvest Australia Church, please visit harvestaustralia.org.